Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 103, and we're reviewing Spirited Away. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode. I'm really excited to talk about Spirited Away because this one is tied directly to my childhood, even before I realized or knew what anime was. And guess what? I have no ties at all to this movie, so... <laughs> so we may have very differing opinions on this movie, which is great. That, that's, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's happened a lot because there are many anime shows and movies that I haven't grown up with. Uh, what was it? Gurren Lagann that we reviewed, Puli Kuli, even My Neighbor Totoro, which was the last Miyazaki movie that we reviewed. So yeah, hopefully... I'll provide a slightly different perspective from what Courtney thinks of this movie. And we have not talked at all about our thoughts um, since we watched the movie, so I have no clue whether you liked this or not, but I am very curious to learn that. But before we jump into that, we have a new patron that we would love to shout out. Thank you so much, Fuma Buna, if I'm saying that correctly, for joining our Patreon and supporting the Strictly series of podcasts. Almost sounds like a Numa Numa. Numa Numa. Fuma Buna. But, but, <laughs> That's old school. Yeah. Regardless, thank you, Fuma Buna. Your support has definitely lifted our spirits for this podcast. Wow. Always there with the uh, the puns. <laughs> Just off the top of my head. <laughs> but yes, thank you so much for being a patron and for being an awesome member of our Discord. And if any of you would like to support the show and get access to things like our bonus episodes, our pre-shows that we have weekly, um, we even share our show schedule every single month. You can ask us questions for us to answer on our podcast, and we even have a patron-only Q&A, head over to patreon.com slash strictly series for more info. I do want to talk a little bit about anime that we've been watching. I think it's been a bit since we've had like a general anime update. And I've been binging as usual. So there's a lot of shit that I've I've seen. Really? <laughs> um, I just finished last night or um, somewhat recently, I finished The Misfit of Demon King Academy. Of course you did. <laughs> it's only one season, only 13 episodes. So it was a quick and easy watch. But the thing with Misfit is several people have recommended it to me over, I don't know, the year or whatever that it's been out. And I've always kind of put it off. I'm like, maybe, we'll see. And then they announced season two, which has two parts to it. And originally, the main character was voiced by the guy who voiced Draken from Tokyo Revengers. That would be Tatsuhisa Suzuki. Yes, who um, some may know as Lisa, the singer's husband, who... Or former husband. Well, I, I don't know. I heard they were still together, but oh, I don't know. Are. I don't mm. follow it, but you know that's, that's their, their drama or whatever. But because of the drama that came out about his infidelity is that accurate to say um or supposed infidelity um he has stepped down from several roles including the role of anos so i then heard that um the replacement voice actor for anos was my favorite voice actor yuichiro umehara and i was like sold i'm watching it <laughs> so i binged the first season i don't know when the second season comes out i think it's still a ways off but I'm like, absolutely. Like, there's no way I'm not going to watch and support Yuichiro Umehara. I think he, as good as um, the original guy was for Anos, I I think Yuichiro Umehara is going to be really good for his character because he's such a fucking Chad. So, yeah, I'm excited for it. That's all it takes. Just put Yuichiro Umehara in an anime and I'll watch it. Yeah, have him replace all the main roles of all the anime that are currently out there. That I would be so happy. You're doing everyone else would hate it, but I would be so happy. Well, on my front, I haven't really watched much outside of the, the few seasonals that we have, and we actually have to catch up on a lot of our seasonal stuff because I didn't even realize it. It's almost near the beginning of fall. And we're about to enter the fall season of anime. Yeah, we got a little bit behind with Crunchyroll Expo preparing for that. And then also um, adding a couple of other anime on our watch list in the midst of this, like Domestic Girlfriend. Yeah. So I think recently we caught up on Licorice, or we're still catching up on, but we got through a couple episodes of Licorice Recoil. And I got a. Licorice? Licorice? Well, oh, you, you jokingly call it licorice. 
I that's how I thought they pronounce it as licorice in the in the show. You like they, yeah, I thought it was supposed to sound like licorice. Because oh, I thought it was like, licorice. Uh, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> well, the, the restaurant's all called Licoreco, right? Uh, the Licorico. Okay. Okay, <laughs> whatever the name is. <laughs> we watched a couple episodes in that of that, and I got to say, that's probably, it's probably the one show from the summer that I am enjoying the most, even though I know it's, it's being touted as like an original anime, and I think the manga is supposed to come out in September. Uh, but... Yeah, I've been having the most fun watching that show, especially with uh, the two main characters, Takina and uh, what's her name, the the more bubbly, a bubbly character. Uh, you're asking me. I'm so bad with names and titles. Chisato. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're just such fun to watch, and I also love like because it, it's a anime about like cute girls doing shoot things as i called it in shoot things anyway, our summer anime impressions um it, it it just reminds me of like a like john wick especially the way that chisato uh uses her or like holds her her gun like kind of sideways and yeah i find that show to be one that i'm looking forward to watching the next episode whereas like, you know, other shows for the summer like yeah they're, they're cool and all but Nothing as engaging as licorice recoil. Another thing that I've been trying to do in terms of what I've been watching recently is, I know you've brought this up before, uh, is that there's an option for two times speed on certain sites. Yes, certain there is. streaming services uh, that just allow you to watch anime at a faster rate. And I, I was always the person who was like you know i want to watch things as they are and so as to absorb as much as possible with each viewing i found that in the case of anime that are like low to mid tier that's hard to do because i don't feel as interested in watching 20 minutes of this craparama but so right now i'm i'm working through shikimori which i know is an anime from spring but I've, I'm so far into it that I was like, fuck it, I'll just finish it off. But I decided to watch it on two times speed. And it's just made a show that I've found so boring a little more entertaining. Yup, it's a game changer. Um, I, being the completionist that I am, I, I hate to drop stuff unless it's absolutely painful to get through and there's no value in finishing it. So similar, I was like, well, we've already seen a number of Shikimori episodes. We just haven't finished it because it's fucking boring. I'm sorry. That show is just really, really boring. So I, I also watched it at two times speed because I'm like, I can't handle this. And it was still boring even at two times speed, but I did it. I finished it. Yeah, nothing in the show. Again, it only makes the show a little more interesting, but I can't stand the, the main male lead in that show just izumi or whatever yeah, i don't you, know how i remember that you izumi or whatever because i just think he's a little bitch and of course you know <laughs> shikimori has to pick up his slack uh but it's yeah the two times speed is a game changer because normally the time it takes for me to watch one episode i can watch like two and a half because it you know, by just the the property of division, by design, <laughs> by the like, laws of physics. Yeah, a, a twenty minute episode becomes ten minutes, and I, I, it's like more of what the fuck did I just watch? But like twice that, double the pleasure of that with the these episodes of Shikimari. So. Well, welcome to Two Times Speed. Now you know why I do that. Before you'd like walk into the room and be like, what the fuck are you watching? Why do they sound so sped up? Just trust me. Trust me. It's a game changer. And, and now you know. So yes, yeah. you'll be able to complete more anime um, that you feel obligated to complete. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to use Two Times Speed for anime that I, I actually want to invest my time in. But the ones that I just want off my mail, I'm, I'm just going to resort to two times speed and i think next i want to tackle a couple of cuckoos at two times speed yeah i mean that i know I, wanna, that one's... I know we're behind on that one too i want to finish that one at normal speed but we'll see we'll see mm -hmm. it's pretty good but at least it's not boring okay maybe boring. one and a half times speed <laughs> that, that one's that one's decent one and a half times speed there's even i think some platforms have like 1.25 
If you just need a little bit of oomph. <laughs> or if you want to take it real easy, you could do 0.5 speed. Holy shit, that's if you really <laughs> love what you're watching and you don't want it to end. But let's move on to Spirited Away. Um, as I mentioned earlier, this one holds a special place in my heart because it was such an early film for me before I even knew what anime was. And I watched this in Kiki's Delivery Service uh, several times uh, when I was younger with my sisters. And I... I truthfully don't remember much other than really enjoying Spirited Away and loving the Soot Sprites. I was like so excited to see them. They're so fucking cute. I know they pop up in Totoro as well. Mm -hmm. But to me, like they're always going to be associated with Spirited Away because they, they play more of a role in that movie. Um, but yeah, I just I really enjoyed it. And I think upon this se uh, not second watch, but this repeat watch many, many years later, I still feel that nostalgia and I still very much enjoy it. So as I mentioned, I have no childhood ties to Spirited Away. I thought you were going to say I had no childhood. I don't know why my brain went there. I was like, oh. That too. I had no childhood. What? I'm kidding. Um, I was more into like the Western films that came out at the same time. Uh, so like Pixar, Disney. I knew of Spirited Away, but I just never got around to watching it. Um, so this was my first time viewing it. And surprisingly, I, I was able to watch it without really knowing about the plot beforehand um even though this movie has been around for like nearly 20 years um and so it was, it was cool to see that it's it's basically like a a japanese version of alice in wonderland or the wizard of oz where you have this young character that is just thrust into this fantastical magical world and they plan to make their way out of it which what do you think I'm describing right now? A lot of other films and shows? Or specifically within anime? Uh, I don't know. Now I'm, on, I'm in the hot seat. Now I can't think. An isekai. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> actually. <laughs> so it is Spirited Away an isekai? That Holy could be up shit. For yeah, I think technically it is. <laughs> Transported to another world. I mean, Chihiro doesn't die but mm -hmm. she is transported to another world yeah there's just no truck coon that just plows her into <laughs> the, the bathhouse that's like when i told um somebody that inuyasha is one of the original isekai and mm -hmm. he's like oh my fucking yeah, god blew you're his right. mind <laughs> uh, so yeah you watch the movie and i'll be honest i thought the movie was good you're giving me a very apprehensive look I would say it teeters between good and great. I wouldn't say it's a, a fantastic movie. And maybe that's just because, again, I don't have that nostalgic lens for it. Because I felt like the movie's plot was a little drawn out, felt a little more drawn out to my liking uh, compared to a lot of the anime films that we've watched recently, which kind of clock in at an hour. I think uh, Spirited Away clocks in at two hours. And I think it's because there's a lot of parts of this film that kind of just felt like watching a day in the life scenarios with, you know, Chihiro is transported in this world. She starts working at the bathhouse and there's just all these scenes that just they don't feel like they add anything to the larger plot. I'm thinking specifically of that first boiler room scene or the scene with the stink spirits. But I think in hindsight, I, I understand that they're kind of world building, building elements and building blocks that fed into the more climactic moments. Here's what I've learned about the very few Miyazaki films that I've seen, but maybe I'm, I'm catching on to a trend. Um, I feel like his, his films have on the surface a lot of stuff happening and then less of an overarching plot or clear Goal. Mm. However, I think that's intentional how, how he delivers things because he's asking, he's not spoon feeding or hand holding the viewer. He's giving them the themes, the idea, the moral of the story in a less, um, a less obvious package. He wants you to kind of think um, and find that deeper meaning through the stuff that's happening on screen. Like it's seemingly, to your point, not important or not playing into the larger goal. But when you take that step back and think about it, it actually is. And again, this is just my analysis or my assumption based on a few films that I've seen of his. There's plenty more that we want to watch and we will watch at some point. And we'll see if that's a, a common trait of his movies. 
No, I think that was I was reading that too with discussions about Studio Ghibli's movies or with Spirited Away specifically is I guess the way I see it, it's almost like a, a more long-winded way of getting from point A to point B with a story. And I think it's just because I'm conditioned watching like mostly Western animate, animated films growing up is that those stories always had like a character that had a flaw. And then throughout that movie, um, it was just built around this character trying to overcome that flaw or overcome an obstacle like it's, Disney movies are exactly right. that. They're very, they very much handhold. They're very obvious mm-hmm. about what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. And so with Spirited Away, it's like, yeah, you have to dig a little bit deeper. And yeah, Miyazaki just throws in all of these scenes that, again, they, they feel kind of like they're all over the place, but it does culminate uh, towards the end of the story. And I think another thing is just with all of these things happening in Spirited Away, it's it's the thing where like I feel like it's a a film that just wants to appeal to a child's imagination by introducing all these different fantastical elements one by one. And like, there's always a good reason for it. It's not just because like Miyazaki wants, wants a, a stink spirit to take a bath. I think there's a underlying reason for why it was included in the movie. And I do find, and I've said this many, many times, like I, I prefer stories that have like a clear goal and a plot that progresses toward that. Even if there's some filler here or there, as long as we're making progress toward that end goal, that's what I need. Um, so there are some slice of life out there that I have a hard time connecting with because nothing fucking happens. Um, here, it does feel like, again, like a lot of stuff happens that isn't directly tied into the end goal of getting Chihiro home, right? Like her and her parents. However, I still really enjoy the movie despite that because everything that does happen, all of the stuff that does happen is so much fun and really addicting to watch even as an adult. I kind of was a little apprehensive. I was like, well, maybe going into this movie, having not seen it since I was a kid, um, I'm going to feel maybe like a little more detached from the movie or maybe I'll kind of roll my eyes at certain things. But no, like every weird thing that happened to Chihiro and every part of her adventure, I I just really enjoyed watching. I think it's presented in such a fun way with amazing visuals and color and and fantastic music and these environments. Like it just all is like a a, a feast. It's, It's just this fun thing to watch throughout, even if, again, not everything is immediately driving toward that end goal of getting her home. Yeah, maybe it was just because I was a little time conscious when watching this one that I I didn't get to really enjoy the bigger picture of the story. But one thing that I, I can't comment on that you alluded to is just the vibrant colors and the fluid animation in this movie. I mean, I think that's kind of the standard for Studio Ghibli, but especially for a movie made in, I think this was made in 2001. Um, and I pulled a list of other movies that came out in the same year, other notable animated movies. You had Atlantis, The Lost Empire, which a lot of people think is a like a undervalued treasure of Holy a movie. Holy shit, I forgot about yeah. that movie. <laughs> um, you had Cowboy Bebop, Knocking on Heaven's Door. That also came out in 2001. Mm, that um, was a good movie. Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, Monsters, Inc., Osmosis Jones. And of course, you cannot forget shrek what the fuck (laughs) all of these movies that came out in 2001 among spirited away and you can kind of tell from that list that cgi animation was definitely beginning to tread the landscape of like children's or animated films but i think spirited away it proves that traditional hand-drawn animation was still something that was inspiring and beautiful to watch on the big screen Yeah, and we could talk in a whole separate conversation about like 2D versus 3D animation and when does business and and, like revenue become too much of a factor where you lose the magic of like 2D. Mm -hmm. Um, But we won't dive into that now. It is is nice to see that even in that time period, you know, a movie like this stood out among all of these heavy hitters that were CG. And I mean, this is, at least to my knowledge, the only anime film that has won an oscar right for for best animated feature uh i didn't know that that's awesome right i think so <laughs> I, I have no clues <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, looking at the wikipedia it says 
Spirited Away was the first and to date only hand-drawn and non-English language animated film to win the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. Damn. Well, so, very deserving. Yeah. So let's jump into the synopsis and, and we can dive into a lot of specifics around this um, film because I really do want to talk about characters and themes in particular. So yeah, it's time to pull out those bathrobes, dear listeners, as we bathe in our synopsis and discussion for Spirited Away, the 2001 animated fantasy film written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki and animated by Studio Ghibli. I think we talked about this last time. Is it Ghibli or is it Ghibli? I think technic. I think in Japan they say Jib- Jiburi, uh, but okay. I grew up saying Ghibli, I mean, yeah. so <laughs> I the, can't undo that. Yeah, it's ingrained in yeah. me. I think when I see G H I, I say G. So yeah, it, it's it's so common for people to say one or the other that I think both are pretty acceptable at this point. Good. So on to the story. 10-year-old Honeynut Chihiro and her family make their Monopoly moves into a new town, but not before they make an unorthodox pit stop at an abandoned theme park for some grub. Turns out her parents pigged out a bit too much and turned into literal porkers, and Honeynut Chihiro is left to fend for herself in the park as it begins its nightly attraction, Halloween Hot Bath Nights. She takes up work at the ghostly bathhouse with the help of Hakuna Matata, the only other humanoid her age. Under the command of Yubaba Yaga, the area sorcerer supreme, and under the watchful eye of No Face, who has no sense of personal space. Fearing the loss of her identity, Haninat Chihiro works tirelessly at the bathhouse and inadvertently causes No Face to be its VIP guest. But when she observes Hakuna Matata wounded at Yubaba Yaga's bidding, she resolves to right all wrongs by holding the sorceress's baby hostage and traveling with no face to make amends with her equally abhorrent-looking sister, Zaniba Yaga, who gifts her with a magical hair tie. Honey Nut Chihiro then reunites with Hakuna Matata and unlocks a core memory of when he, as a river spirit, saved her from a drowning insta-death many years ago. Yubaba Yaga gives Haninat Chihiro one final test to return back to reality, oh, there goes gravity, and she passes by correctly guessing that none of the pigs in Yubaba's employ are those of her porky parents. Haninat Chihiro is then granted access back to the real world level, and after promising to cross paths with Akuna Matata again in the future, reunites with her parents, who are too full from their gluttonous lunch to remember anything that happened to them. After Haninat Chihiro takes one last look at the tunnel leading to Halloween hot bath nights, the trio get back in their car and go up, up, and spirited away. Is that like Haninat Cheerios? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I to make sure. <laughs> and Hakuna Matata. Oh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, so as always with movies, because it's a little more difficult to kind of break them down chronologically, we just talk in general um, versus like our normal episodic reviews for regular TV shows um, or anime shows. So let's start with characters. Do you want to start there? Sure. Okay. So first and foremost, Chihiro. I, I think... The story overall is about Chihiro growing and learning important life lessons through experience, through all the things that she's experiencing. And it's pretty apparent that like in the beginning of the movie, she she starts off incredibly timid, scared, sometimes even like immature. Um, even before her parents turned into pigs, she was behaving this way. Um, she's very nervous with like they're exploring this new area and constantly begs him to turn back to the car. But as the story progresses and she's kind of like thrust into this new world and with her now being tasked with the responsibility of saving her parents, she quickly grows out of that timidness and becomes a hero, not only to like her parents, but like to Haku and even the people that she works with at times. And I don't know the span of time in which this movie takes place, but I think it's hinted that it's over a quite a long period of time because mm-hmm. when they leave at the end, like their car is covered in like debris. The dad even comments that there's dust on the inside of the car. Um, everything's just overgrown. So like I think maybe time time passes by slowly in the spirit world, but is actually going faster in the real world, which is why things are overgrown, perhaps. Wouldn't it be time 
Oh, I see. Right, because Shihiro mean. doesn't really age. They don't seem like they age at all physically. It felt in like the spirit world. Yeah, it might have been maybe a month or so that passes by. But okay, now let me think about this a little bit more. Because then, if like, remember they were like, "Oh, we have to get to our new house. The moving van's probably already there." Yeah. If time actually passed the way it was supposed to, or the way I'm thinking, then wouldn't that mean like? they probably were thought of as like dead <laughs> like right like they were missing mm -hmm. for months and months for the forest to be that overgrown i think maybe what's actually happening is like they're leaving and because they're leaving the spirit world they're now seeing the entrance that tunnel the way it actually is today versus when they pulled up in their car they were probably already starting to make their way into the spirit world because they were passing by like the the decrepit like shrines and like statues and whatnot so maybe they were seeing that entrance as like what it used to look like or what it looks like to the spirits now that they're exiting they're seeing it oh, as I like see. i don't know i'm trying to rationalize it because again there is dust on the car so some time has passed which means that fucking moving van is gone <laughs> your yeah, but, house yeah. might be condemned at this point i don't know <laughs> the movers are probably like where the fuck did they go yeah and there's there's a left. police report filed because they no <laughs> one can find you for like over three days <laughs> so yeah i don't maybe i'm just thinking into this too much but anyway what i'm trying to say is um chihiro is like a, a totally different character from the start of the film to the end of the film because of this growth that she experiences and i think growing up is the theme or one of the main themes of this movie yeah that's exactly what i thought too is that in the beginning you see chihiro as being almost like clingy or bratty because uh, you know she's very hesitant about moving to a new town or a new environment which is understandable but then as soon as she's transported to the spirit world, she's just thrust in to work as tireless, tirelessly as the other employees of the bathhouse, despite being 10 years old. It makes you question, like, you know, this this is child labor, right? Well, I guess but, the laws don't apply. <laughs> yeah, in the, the laws don't apply world. in the spirit world. And then yeah, she's just exposed to all of these different occurrences, even to the point of... I think it's mentioned like she she loses her identity and she no longer remembers her her past self, um, which I guess kind of ties in too with like um, growing up like just trying to reforge your identity uh, by these experiences and learning through everything that happens in this movie like what sort of traits and virtues you need to take with you in order to to move on to the next level of your your life, I guess. I'm glad Chihiro wasn't the bratty kid she was in the very beginning for too long because I probably wouldn't like her character, even if she were to grow out of it. But I think they gave us just enough time in the beginning to show like how bratty and, like I don't know, immature she was. But I think I started to connect with her when the spirit world started to form around her, and she's like running around. She's panicking. She can't find her parents. She's scared. Like That fear felt realistic like she's just trying to find a, a corner of this place where there's no weird creatures where she can just like have a moment to breathe and like process what the fuck is going on um so i think she very quickly became somebody who's easy to connect with because then she even though she continues to be scared she pushes through and has those moments of bravery to to get done what she needs to get done I think that's even evident with her character design. Um, I was reading a little bit up about it. Um, I think Miyazaki intentionally made this movie to target like 10-year-olds and maybe specifically 10-year-old girls. To target 10-year-olds? I mean, like the, the demographic, <laughs> yes. not like target. Like, oh my <laughs> the the God. way you phrased that was just interesting. Yes. <laughs> the demographic in which this movie is geared toward is is like adolescent girls <laughs> yes oh man you're making me think that <laughs> this movie is <laughs> okay anyways uh, so i think even with uh character design i read something where like she, he he didn't want her to be um like an eye candy sort of thing like you would expect for um you know, like lolly characters i guess yeah. of anime but chihiro has more of a I don't want to say plain look, but one that's relatable. She's plain right? as fuck, which is relatable. Yeah. Being plain is relatable because not everyone is like fucking Bishojo or something like that. Right. And so even though there's so many magical elements in this film, I think it's meant for like the 10-year-old 10 10 year old audience to connect with some of the things that Chihiro 
like the things, the thoughts going through her head about like this very pivotal time in her life. Um, and I think even with, uh, you see growth when you compare it to the baby, Bo, uh, Yubaba's the child that she's taking care of. Uh, Isn't it her kid? Is it? I think, I don't know. The sister said something like my sister's kid or whatever. I mean, okay. I assumed that that's, his, that's her son. Yeah. Uh, and you see how much that Yubaba coddles Bo and like the baby literally barricades itself into that pillow fort when Chihiro first uh, stumbles upon him or the first time that Chihiro sees his face. Yeah, and actually, I think in the the scene where Chihiro meets Yubaba for the first time, she calls, Yubaba calls Chihiro a brat or a spoiled brat because she keeps asking for work and then literally turns around and get, gets kicked in the face by her own son. Right. So Bo is basically like what Chihiro was at the beginning of the movie. And at that point, after Chihiro has had these experiences at the bathhouse, like she wants to be free of his grasp because, you know, Bo is just so closeted in this world or like in this room and he doesn't want to leave that I think it takes to hear like she shows him the blood on her hand from uh, Haku, right? Yeah. And that kind of throws him for a loop. And then she just takes him along for the journey and opens his eyes to like what really is out there and what things are really like. And I think that serves as a point of maturity for him much as with Chihiro throughout this whole movie. Quick piece of trivia with uh, Chihiro, and this is more geared towards the English dub. We actually watched this in the uh, Japanese sub, even though I, you probably watched it in English. Right? Yeah, I watched it in the dub as a kid, but I mean, you this is your first time watching it, so I was happy to watch it either way. Yeah, um, and so the voice actress for Chihiro is... I think it's the Vo Chase is how you pronounce her name. Uh, she was the same voice for Lilo from Lilo and Stitch, as well as the live action actress for Samara from The Ring. Hell no! <laughs> what? Yeah, it's Ew. all the same person, dude. I oh god, the fucking ring! Holy shit! Ew, yeah. wow, that's weird. Well, I'm glad we didn't watch it, though. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know who the Japanese voice actress was, but I, I highly doubt that they were tied to Sadako. <laughs> so. Maybe she was. <laughs> so now let's talk about Haku, who, if I understand correctly from the end of this movie, is the river guardian spirit for the Kohaku River um, that originally saved Chihiro when she was younger, when she fell into the river. Because even says, like, you fell into me. And at first I was like, oh, like, maybe she bumped into him. But no, he's literally saying, like, you fell into the river of which I am the guardian spirit. Um, and so, right? Like, is that is that accurate? I was a bit confused yeah, by that. I think, yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully that is correct. Um, but yeah, I love Haku. Haku is that calming presence throughout this movie when everybody else in this entire film is like off the wall like even kamaji who's relatively calm is still kind of like out there in his mannerisms especially when chihiro first meets him um he's a great character though i really do love kamaji but haku is that calming presence he's confident he's capable um and he's stuck in like a very awkward position where he has to serve yubaba because she's stolen his name and he doesn't know who he is anymore and haku is in interesting character because i thought at first he too was a human that was stuck in the world like chihiro and so that's like his reason for helping her out and then of course you find out in the end that he's actually a, a river guardian and i forgot in the he wanted to go to the bathhouse in the first place because he wanted to attain magic right is that what i don't know that wasn't clear to me like if he was forced to work for yubaba and then just forgot who he was or if he was seeking something and then somehow fell into a contract with her like a lot of that is not clear and i think that's you <laughs> that is intentional uh i don't know what i was trying to say there uh, i think it's intentional how some of these things around haku are not clear they hint at things right like yubaba is using him but in what ways and for what purpose we never really learn that because it's not important to chihiro's story she just mm -hmm. needs to know that he's in a predicament and he needs help that that's kind of my take on it 
So what is your take? What she Chihiro finds out that he's a river guardian? Because I, I I think they were implying that there is a there's some sort of love interest between the both of them, but like Chihiro's falling in love with a body of water, basically. I I guess so. Um, my take is that he he can't be a human because Chihiro has no magical abilities. How can he help her? Or play a significant role if he doesn't have the abilities to do so to to help her um and i i think too it's like she she goes home without him and says you know or he tells her like don't look back or whatever like he he's bound to that world because he's not human um and it's obviously such like a a huge deal for a human to even be in that world so i think he needs to be something other than a human for all of this to make sense and that, yeah, that makes sense. But I guess I, I, what I'm confused about with Haku is like why they were touting such a, a love interest between both characters. I think it's just the bond between them. And who knows, maybe in the human world, people and spirits can interact. I mean, that's probably how yeah, he's, she was saved in the first place. Haku says like, oh, I, I'll see you again. I'm sure like I'm sure we'll cross paths again. Yeah, I think that's hinting like he still lives. He still is the spirit of Kohaku River. Now that he's remembered his mm, identity, he can go back okay. to being that. So I think they're hinting like spirits can exist in the human world. It's just incredibly rare for humans to exist in the spirit world. Um, and there's okay. plenty of stories out there in anime where like a human and a spirit fall in love or whatever. So I just kind of chalk it up to that. But speaking of the romance, and I do want to ask this question. So, like, the romance between Chihiro and Kohaku is pretty subtle, like, immediately between them. But it certainly exists. But I think, um, despite being a romance fan, I almost wish they didn't have certain characters straight up say, it's love, or Haku is your boyfriend. Um, it just it was weird to me because even Haku and Chihiro don't react to those statements. Like, Chihiro hears people see, say these things. And she has zero reaction. So it sort of seems almost out of place. I'd rather learn about their love through their interactions in this movie and through their journey versus have a bunch of characters straight up say, it's love or that's your boyfriend. You know what I mean? Like, did you feel the same way? Did it lose some of that subtlety? I mean, the movie offered a couple moments where you can kind of just see that it's, I don't think it's romantic love. Maybe it's more of like that platonic love between the two of them. Um, obviously like Haku trying to save her in the first place and then guiding her towards how to get the job from Kamaji. And even that quiet moment between the two of them as she's eating a, a rice ball uh, in that field and he's comforting her. Um, I think the moments where they're like, oh, is that your boyfriend? They kind of they flew, they flew over my head. But I also think that you know a 10-year-old's not going to identify with that anyways because I don't think that sort of love comes across in their mind anyways. So maybe it's it's almost like a, a moment in real life where, you know, like parents or relatives will will joke at you for having a, a friend of the opposite sex as your boyfriend or girlfriend. That's true. And like honestly, I, I do ship them. I think they're adorable. They're so innocent. They're a really human and a river. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I don't know. <laughs> um I think all of their interactions are so sweet and so innocent. I think to your point, the one of them that sticks out to me the most is when Haku is giving her the rice balls and she's just crying and he's just comforting her and they're going to figure it out together. Or I think one of the best images of the entire movie, which a lot of people really love, is when um, Haku is in his dragon form and Chihiro just takes his his head with like his long snout and just like presses his face and his snout against hers and they just sort of nuzzle like all of those things are so incredibly heartwarming and so cute that i i can discern by watching those moments between the two of them that there's some some sort of love whether it is platonic love um or maybe like the love between like you know family members or you know true love whatever it is i don't need people to straight up say oh by the way this is love in case you couldn't figure it out like it just kind of broke that for me yeah like you can just see it in front of you rather than have a character say, oh, you guys are in love. Um, I know you mentioned that that scene with Chihiro pressing her, her like her face against uh, Haku's snout was like when 
what you do with Rigby sometimes. I know. Immediately <laughs> after the movie, I went up to Rigby and I did the exact same thing. I like pressed my forehead against his forehead and I just gave him a kiss. I'm like, oh, this is so cute. Although I think he was less appreciative. Because he was asleep and I woke him up. <laughs> I woke him up to do that and he's like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And this is probably going to tie in with like when we're, we're talking about the themes of the movie. Um, now that I'm trying to piece this together, maybe like with it being like uh, Chihiro um, having a newfound appreciation for the spirits around her, like her quote unquote falling in love with Haku is kind of like um, like her kind of being at, being at one with nature or just learning to appreciate the environment around her uh even if it is a new environment so i don't know that's just something i'm throwing out there last character i wanted to talk about a little bit is yubaba because she plays a pretty significant part in this story um yubaba as soon as she showed up on screen i was like ah yes all of these memories are flooding back like she's such an interesting character because she's not inherently like evil right like there's something up with her but you don't really learn a lot about it you know that she's sus in some way but she's also like a really good business owner who cares about her customers and her brand she cares very much maybe even to a fault about her child um she even says like in the beginning when she finally gives Shihiro a job she's like one of the one of the things I took on or I promised when I, you know, started this place was that I would give a job to anybody who asked, right? Like there's just something about her that is not inherently evil where she's almost like this gray character throughout the whole film. Um, she even like cheers on Chihiro when, with the whole like stink spirit situation. Says like, you, you did a fantastic job. You're amazing. Like you're the only one who, who was willing to do it and you did a great job. I don't know. There's There's parts of her where she could be a redeemable character, but... She also has like this big rivalry with her sister and makes Haku be like right in the middle of all of that. I think she's a character that you just love to hate. And yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was weird seeing her cheer um, Chihiro on in that scene. But I think, you know, bigger picture is like, oh, you're, you're increasing revenue for my bathhouse by. Well, by yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Like she's a business minded individual. Mm-hmm. And again, so it means she, to her end. she very much cares about her business and she wants it to thrive. And she she doesn't say, like, let's just get all this money out of care out of our customers, which, yes, is something that she does do. But she also cares like about the experience her customers are having and that they have a pleasant time and want to come back. Yeah. And so I guess that was what was surprising about this movie is that, you know, there's like, she's not the evil villain of the thing. And again, that's just me being conditioned and used to Western archetypes in animated films. Uh, like she is a an antagonistic character in certain senses, but not one that's like you would loathe her, even though I just said, you know, you love to hate her. <laughs> I mean... She Yeah, she definitely is antagonistic because she's technically keeping everybody there through owning their names when they sign a contract. And that's exactly what happened with Haku. And she's, again, like she doesn't care that Haku's bleeding and about to die. She's like, get rid of him. I guess he's not he's not useful for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like if she just stopped with like the grudge and all this stuff that she has against her sister, maybe she could be a better person. But, like, you know, she also is kidnapping Chihito's parents and is like, let's just cook them and eat them. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's a there's some good qualities about her, but I think those are outweighed by her bad qualities. Let's talk a little bit about the story, in particular the themes, because there are some very strong themes in this movie that play right into Chihiro and and her character. So again, I think the core of this story is Chihiro's journey to grow up and how scary growing up can be. And she learns a ton of lessons in this movie that kind of help shape who she becomes by the end. But, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, like I think this movie presents that all in a very realistic package. Chihiro isn't fighting monsters or even using magic. She's literally fucking working. She has entered the workforce just like the rest of us. And even when major things happen, like, again, Haku getting attacked and, like, Chihiro finding out about Yubaba using him, she doesn't learn much other than Yubaba makes Haku do bad things. That's it. That's all the info she gets until later when she learns that he's, you know, specifically stole an item on her behalf and whatnot. But even then, it's like they don't tell us why Yubaba wanted him to do that because none of that is important when it doesn't factor into Chihiro's growth, 
right? Mm -hmm. What's important is that Haku is in a predicament and Chihiro needs to grow in order to save him. That's what's important and that's all the information we get around that. Um, so that's why there's a lot of other stuff that happens because those other things tie into the lessons that she's learning. One of the first lessons that she learns um, is around greed. That greed is bad as she sees her parents indulge themselves without permission. Um, it's a theme that we see again with No Face when he offers the workers gold and they all just cater to his every whim. And he he also indulges himself by like taking in everything that they're giving him and sort of acting egotistical in certain ways around that. Um, but no matter what he offers Chihiro, she always refuses, saying that she doesn't need it or she doesn't need that many of whatever item he's trying to give her. Um, and she's got a bigger issue that she's got to deal with. Yeah, you know, it's funny because, again, reading about Spirit Away through various articles and analyses, um, one thing that popped up was, like, how Miyazaki was <laughs> attacking, like, Western capitalist thoughts by incorporating the theme of greed. What in this the movie. fuck? You know, like, <laughs> with the parents, it's like, oh, they're capitalist pigs, and that's why they turn into pigs. Oh, what the, um, I guess. Maybe you yeah, can discern you know, that from that. You know, not that I want to talk about, like, <laughs> the politics of all of that in this, but just focusing on the theme of, of greed itself. I think that's one that is prevalent throughout this movie. Um, and again, it's through all the various characters that we see. Um, even like Yubaba herself, you could say that she is uh, a, a thematic of greed by running this bathhouse again, wanting everything to work in her favor so that this bathhouse runs smoothly, even if that means taking away the identities of her workers or even the the creatures or the spirits themselves, which I, I would say they're impressive in their designs because it's almost like the the cantina scene in star wars with how varied their characteristics and again their designs are but even them even they have their own sleazy traits where they're being shrewd or scheming or dismissive uh, towards chihiro and of course as you said there's no face itself who i would say they represent the kind of person that chihiro shouldn't be and she definitely acknowledges that in the movie when whenever no face tries to entice her um i would say like no face is more of the kind of character that's like sort of a follower not a leader and again feeding into that theme of greed they try to earn attention and respect through those nefarious means and and I don't know if they had stolen all the gold from the stink spirit previously. I think it was fake because Yubaba, when she realizes that her son is not her all son, right. the gold like melts at that point. I don't know. So yeah, I think it was no face observing what had happened with the stink spirit, right? That it revealed all the gold that it was carrying and then using that to say, oh, I can advance myself by presenting that same sort of of need and attention with with the with gold and then it's zeniba uh yubaba's more kind-hearted sister who takes no face under her, her wing almost as that guiding light to show no face like that's not like that's not what is important in life and trying to put them on the right path another theme is independence um, I would say this is another early lesson when Chihiro is basically ripped away from her parents and is in a strange world. She suddenly needs to fend for herself. And even after Haku rescues her in the beginning, he quickly has to part ways with her and gives her instructions that she has to follow through on on her own. Um, and she does. Like she, you know, it's a big chunk of the first part of the movie. She finally gets uh, or convinces Yubaba to give her work. And even Lin at that point praises Chihiro saying, oh my gosh, I didn't think you'd be able to do it, but you did it all on your own. She's gaining that independence and I mean, pretty much is in, is independent throughout the entire film after Haku saves her initially. I think it culminates with her wanting to save Haku in the climax is that she, she takes it kind of upon herself to travel by train to, um, to Zeniba's house to to right all the wrongs that were committed yeah and i feel like after she gets the job from yubaba she very infrequently asks anybody for help anytime there's an issue she handles it on her own like yeah maybe she'll ask a question or two to get some information or to understand 
how this world works. But I feel like for the most part, she just does it herself. She just takes the initiative. And it's interesting because in the beginning of the film, when she's walking through the tunnel with her parents, her mother says to her, stop clinging to me. You're going to make me lose my balance. Mm. And I think that's her, her hinting like you need to stop clinging to your parents and all of that. But what's interesting is that I think on the way back to the tunnel, she's still clinging onto her mom. Um, right. I don't know if there's still like, <laughs> like she still is a child. She's still going to rely on other people at a, to a certain degree. Um, but, you know, I think the idea there is like that's a hint that she needs to kind of break away a little bit. And then we have the theme of kindness, which I think is also a huge theme because the lesson here for Chihiro, and maybe this is just even something that's innate to her, is that she need, she needs to treat everyone with kindness, and she does exactly that. Even the people who do not treat her with kindness in return, or at least initially don't, she always is kind to them. And she meets so many people and so many creatures, and she kind of needs to figure out whether they're friend or foe as she goes along. But even despite that, she treats everybody with kindness. A good example is when she first meets Kamaji. Like, he looks scary and is dismissive of her and all of that, but he ends up being one of the nicest characters that she relies on pretty heavily. You know, he, he looked like a Dr. Eggman with multiple arms. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, it's her just, throughout the movie, it's just her killing it, killing them with kindness, basically. Even even just the, the small act of uh, helping that one soot sprite. Uh, carry the, the oh my coal god that was over. so cute <laughs> and i like how the other ones try to take advantage of that moment by giving her all the coal that they were trying to because they didn't want to do any work <laughs> yeah and then Kamiji calls them out but as yeah, small moments like that where it's chihiro kind of combating all of the the nasty elements of the bathhouse with kindness and compassion and then you have No Face, who again is like misunderstood and just wants to find friends because it's lonely. And then everyone else is terrified of it when it starts to, of course, eat people. I, I don't, I don't blame everyone for being freaked out. But Chihito learns to trust it and even finds a way to get it to calm down and return to its senses. Um, and I guess indirectly helps it find a home with Zeniba. Mm -hmm. So that's another instance where she was just kind to No Face from the beginning. And then, of course, there's the the scene with the river spirit, the, the stink spirit who ends up being um, a, a river spirit that nobody else wanted to help. Um, Yubaba gave her that task because, you know, she's the lowly human. She's the newest one here. Of course, she's going to dump a task onto someone who's less likely to say no. And she sticks through it. She works very, very hard um, and even, I think, saves the spirit in the end of it by kind of clearing it out. And I think... I think the the idea here is that like the river spirit was cluttered with pollution and garbage and she helped clean it up so that it could return to its natural beauty, even though it had a an old man face. <laughs> oh yeah, that was creepy as fuck. And I think it also <laughs> kind of hints like it being the river guardian spirit, I think it hints at what Haku actually is, because when you see that that spirit's true form and it flies away, mm -hmm. it looks just like Haku flying as a dragon through the sky. So I think that helps the viewer to understand later on Haku is similar to this other creature. Because I'm sure there's more than one river guardian spirit out there. Yeah. And I think like the, an offshoot to the theme of kindness is, I think it's very apparent with that scene, with the stink spirit. And um, even with, I guess, Haku in a way is just... Uh, an appreciation for like the environment so almost like a environmental themes which i think it was also prevalent with in a way with a uh, totoro or even to think about it in a different way um just the idea that these sort of spirits exist everywhere uh, or i think you know the japanese call them like kami right where they attach a spirit to a certain piece of environment and and learning to appreciate and treasure those things i think that's another thing with with chihiro is just uh, not only having kindness for the characters around her but again having that appreciation for for the environment whether that be natural or otherwise um, and just learning to thrive in it on her own then we have the theme of hard work which i think is an underappreciated theme in this movie i think it's 
very clear to Chihiro that nothing's just going to fall in her lap. She's not going to get spoiled like the baby is or anything like that. She needs to work hard in order to achieve certain things in this film. And that is literally what Haku tells her right away. You need to work. Like Yubaba wants everybody to work. If you're going to exist, you need to contribute something um, in, in this world or in her business or whatever. So you need to make sure that you land a job and that you work hard. And Chihiro does work hard. And like it's, it's tough for her at first as she's learning the ropes, but she never gives up because she knows these are the steps that she needs to take in order to save her parents in, in the end. She needs to gain favor with Yubaba. She needs to gain allies and all of this. And all that is done through the connections that she makes, the hard work that she puts in, and the way that that impacts the people. I don't think she ever even, correct me if I'm wrong, she never complains about all the stuff that she has to go through. Yeah, like she's always great. She's reactive to it, and it, it's a new thing for her, but she kind of just, she takes it on, like accepts it as a challenge, and then and learns to grow from it. And I think that's because it's not just her that's working hard. Everybody around her is also working hard. So who is she to complain about that, right, or to have special treatment? If, if everyone else is working equally as hard, she's putting in that same effort to, again, like gain allies and to understand these these workers better and, and to understand this world better. Um, and, and that hard work then extends into the hard work that she puts in with saving Haku, right? Like you said earlier, she's independent, she's brave, um, she takes on this all by herself, but she wouldn't have had basically like the the guts to do that or the drive to do that had she not put in so much hard work up until that point and know how rewarding it is to achieve something through that hard work not to say like she's a um like a brainwashed worker for the bathhouse i think the one thing that obviously stands out from like between her and the rest of them is is going back to kindness where like the workers are there you know just to earn a pretty penny Whereas I think Chihiro is motivated by her kindness to, to work hard and leading up to the point of where she, she saves Haku. Like that's the one thing that sets her apart from all these characters is, again, her, her kind nature. And then the last theme I have here, I know there's several other ones, but I think the last key one is never forget yourself. Mm. which plays like right into what Yubaba's <laughs> literally. doing. Literally. Yeah, literally don't forget yourself because then you're you're trapped in Yubaba's workforce. Um, but yeah, Haku and the workers only know their small world because they forgot who they were when they, they entered these contracts, right? And Yubaba took their names. Even Chihito's parents, who are straight up pigs, like they literally turned into pigs, have no reaction upon seeing Chihito when she reunites with them briefly in the barn. They just, they are just pigs that's it um they've forgotten who they are they've forgotten who their daughter is and then haku and chihiro you know thankfully remember each other's names and are able to help each other free themselves and through that then free her parents and hopefully haku frees other people now that he is not tied to you baba yeah i think never forgetting yourself um both in the literal and uh What's the other term? <laughs> Why am I blanking? Literal and... Meta- figurative. <laughs> oh, yeah, figurative. Figurative sense, yes. Don't forget yourself because you should always stay true to who you are, even if you're put in situations that force you to, I don't know, be different. Just you know, stay true to yourself as much as possible. Although one thing that I questioned is how Chihiro, like Chihiro knew her parents weren't in that pig pen and that they were all, they were all fine and already outside of the realm. Like how do you, how do you interpret that? Yeah, because in the beginning she like didn't know who her parents were until Haku told her which ones. But maybe she grew and so she can see beyond. No, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she's I'm like, just oh, I know my parents aren't pigs. And, you know, <laughs> or maybe she just knows how Yubaba thinks and she can predict. Like yeah. Yubaba's probably trying to trick me. Okay, yeah. That's I don't know. True. There's something there. Um, But let's talk a little bit really quick about animation and music. I don't have much to say other than this is your standard, and I say standard in a good way, standard, amazing, Studio Ghibli quality animation. Um, The music I thought was beautiful at certain points. It had that very like spiritual feel to it. It had that whimsical feel to it, especially when like the the town was transforming in the beginning from like the, the... desolate place it was to the vibrant gorgeous colorful environment those those moments i think really stuck out stuck stuck stood out (laughs) oh you stuck out (laughs) stuck out and stood out yeah stood out for me i think that's what i was trying to say (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's Studio Ghibli. Like you, you, you know that that name is synonymous with with fantastic animation. And as I mentioned before, I know that this was around the time that the dawn of CGI animation was was going to be more prevalent in animated films. Although you had Pixar kind of leading that leading that stampede uh, in the late '90s, but uh, I know that there were some instances of CGI in this film, but it was never overshadowed by the traditional hand-drawn animation. Um, so I, I get there's there's an appreciation for that traditional animation style that that I learned to appreciate more after watching this movie, and you know, hopefully. Again, I know that CGI is dominating the animated film landscape as of recently, but I think you get there's something different about watching it um, hand drawn, as always. Music wise, all I have to say is it's who is it? Uh, Miyazaki's longtime collaborator, Joe Hisaishi, which I think in Tot- the Totoro review episode we did, I realized. I didn't realize that, that that was actually their their sort of stage name. Like the real name for the composer is Mamoru Fujisawa, but Joe Hisaishi is the, I guess their yeah stage name. So it's it is actually Joe. It's not pronounced Joy. <laughs> <laughs> Joy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, musical is just as whimsical and fantastical as it was in Totoro. Uh, I think the one track that stands out is I think this is like the main theme. Uh, one summer day, which you hear at the beginning and at certain points um, throughout the film. I've added it to my Spotify playlist for anime soundtracks, so it is definitely a one that is a that is an earworm from this film. And that leads us to our final thoughts for Spirited Away. So, how many Pip Pip Chihiro's out of ten? Will you give this film? No, you should have said how many soot sprites. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just because I fucking love <laughs> yeah. the soot sprites. Um, I would give it eight out of ten soot sprites, like a solid eight. It's just a really enjoyable film. I think at any age, and I can say that confidently because I'm watching it. Uh, you know, many many years later from when I was a kid. I, I think it's just, a, a, I don't know, like there's something about the way it all comes together. Even if there isn't a, a very clear plot at every single moment in every single scene, just the shit that Chihiro's going through and the characters she interacts with in these crazy, wacky situations are just so much fun. None of them felt over the top. None of them felt try hard. None of them felt like I had to suspend my disbelief. Like, yes, I already am doing that because it's a spirit world, but I didn't have to further suspend my disbelief to try and, you know, imagine how she would react in these situations. Like, all of it was just so realistic. And I think that realistic package that it's presented in is what allows me to just sit back and enjoy this shit because I feel like I would react similarly to Chihiro in a lot of these situations. And I think that just makes it something that you know is easy to connect with um makes her character endearing and i just very much love her relationship with haku whatever that relationship is at the end of the day i just love how the two of them play off of each other and the way they support each other and i fully believe that in the human world they're going to reunite (laughs) he Mm. says don't look back because he's trying to get her to be independent and just move forward. But he does say, I'll see you again someday. So it's going to happen, damn it. In my head canon, they're going to reunite. But what about you? This is an aside, but it makes me wonder if there's like a, if someone made an OVA or a spinoff of, you know, as these things are happening in Spirited Away, what's happening in the real world where it's, again, the movers are wondering where the fuck this family went. And then they have to. <laughs> They're alert. like calling them, <laughs> like hello. <laughs> they, they have to alert the police or whatever. The and family's then, like, I don't know. They were moving to a new town. They said they were going to get there, but I, we haven't heard from them. Or then whatever river the stink spirit came from, like if it, it miraculously the real river just like just it was not beautiful and yeah, clean. And all real the pollution's life. gone. And, yeah, you have like news <laughs> stories about it. Anyways, that's just what I was thinking of <laughs> as you were going through that. Um, but for me, my rating for this movie would be eight and a half out of 10. I think it's a movie. Wow, wait, you gave it a higher rating than me? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> now I I'm like, well, maybe it. it is an eight and a half. I mean, it's good. It's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. Like to me, I didn't think it was like a, a nine rating, um, but I think it is it is a movie that is worthy of its Oscar accolade with its grand production and animation. Even if, 
the structure of the story wasn't that captivating to a 30 year old like myself in comparison to like a 10 year old who would watch this movie with amazement and wonder. Cause I think at the very base of it, this is a movie made for children, especially those around 10 years old that subtly imbues life lessons about the things you should be and the things you shouldn't be. And as with Totoro, I'm sure it resonates with the folks who watch this at a young age and continue to watch this film with that reminiscent nostalgic lens who have carried those lessons from childhood into today. So like for me, it's it's movies like Toy Story or Lion King that were more of my Totoro or Spirited Away. But I think this movie serves that same purpose for that audience. Nevertheless, Studio Ghibli definitely breaks bounds with traditional storytelling and fantasy elements of most animated films with Spirited Away, and it should definitely be revered as an anime classic for years to come, even if Demon Slayer Mugen Train took its number one spot in Japanese box office history. (laughs) I think uh, in 2020, Spirited Away held the record for 19 years uh, for the most successful and highest grossing film in Japanese history until Mugen Train arrived and then knocked it, knocked it from its pedestal. Well, what can you do? <laughs> but it is still a great movie. Don't let the, the anime franchises deter you from that or thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to yet another episode of Strictly Anime. Let us know your thoughts on Spirited Away. I feel like it's a movie that a lot of people have seen. Again, whether you were a kid when you watched it or an adult, we're curious to know what other people feel, especially if you are like me where you watched it growing up and then you're watching it again as an adult. Does it still hold up? Does it still have that magic to it? Yeah, reach out and let us know. And subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us and to tell us your thoughts on Spirited Away. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, like our newest patron, Fumabuna, then head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries. And tune into Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, where we are in the throes of our Stone Ocean Review series. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.